Hello, and welcome to OASBO's first podcast. We're here today with Associate Executive Director Barbara Shainer, who has been with the Ohio Association of School Business Officials for 17 years. Anyone who knows OASBO or knows Barbara knows she is the guru to go to when it comes to uh, school funding and Ohio's state budget. Uh, good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Chris. We're going to talk a little bit today about uh, Ohio's state budget that was released on the 30th uh, and some other legislative and advocacy issues going on with OASBO. So, Barbara, we know that the governor released his budget on January 30th. So what's the process? What happens now? Well, Chris, yes, he did release his budget to the legislature, and the House Finance Committee has already started holding hearings. Primarily, the first few hearings will be... Um, presented by the governor's administration, his staff. Tim Keene, the director of the Office of Budget Management, came in and went through the um, explanation of the rationale behind all of the things in the governor's budget, which ob obviously includes education. Uh, but interestingly, we still don't have a bill. Typically, what happens with uh, the governor's budget is he delivers it to the legislature, then the Legislative Service Commission turns that uh, proposal into a proposed piece of legislation. And the sponsor of the legislation is always the House Finance Committee chairman. And currently that would be uh, Ryan Smith from Southern Ohio. Uh, Ryan actually is a former school board member and he's been a very good friend to us and the other education groups as we work through these issues. Uh, but in any case, the process will be, over the next few weeks, there will be testimony from the various state agencies, including the Department of Education. They all come in and explain uh, the provisions that the governor is proposing in the budget for their uh, work that they do. They show the legislature what they do with the money that is appropriated to them, and education is no exception. Of course, a big chunk of the education budget goes to uh, public school districts, and so the formula and what goes behind that will be discussed further uh, as these hearings go along. And at some point here within the next several weeks, there will be opportunities for public testimony, at which time the um, education organizations will be invited to speak on a s specific date. And there will be then public testimony where we would encourage uh, folks from the school districts around the state to come in and talk about their districts, what they're doing in their districts, and how the budget bill affects them. One thing I would, um, would add to this, though, is we don't have the bill language, of course, so we don't, while we know what some of the things that are in the budget and how they are going to affect districts generally, we haven't seen the detail and we haven't seen any kind of projections uh, for district by district um, funding that we usually see by this time. We're hoping that maybe even sometime later today, Friday um, the 3rd, February 3rd, we might see those. I, I know uh, last week OASBO sent out an alert talking about uh, the governor's uh, mentioning that perhaps there would only be a 1% uh, increase for education. Um, and I know Dr. Howard Fleeter from OEPI uh, did some research and some analysis to show how uh, 
schools would be affected and, and how uh, they've not kept up with inflation uh, over the, the past few budget cycles. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, most of the listeners will know that we went through a very uh, deep recession just a few years ago. And since that time, the economy has been growing. Uh, we have been receiving increases in education, but even with those increases, and probably the greatest uh, increase happened last by in the last biennium for uh, basically the current fiscal year, uh, it still hasn't kept up with inflation, according to the analysis that you referenced by Dr. Fleeter. Uh, the other issue is uh, we really haven't revisited what uh, the per-pupil amount ought to be uh, for uh, making sure that all students have the level of funding that they, they need. Um, in this proposal, what we've heard is that uh, this week they haven't been talking so much about the 1%, but they've been highlighting the fact that there will be a gain cap again, so districts won't be able to grow past a 5% increase. 5% sounds um, reasonable given the fact that there's been a lot of discussion about how tight this budget is. However, when you look into the other um, things that we're hearing, the 5% may not end up being a true uh, realization for most districts. For instance, there is going to be no change in the per pupil amount that goes into the funding formula. It's been $6,000 per pupil for this year and it's going to remain so over the next two years based on the governor's proposal. Now I should just throw in here since we haven't said it already, um, the House, as they're having hearings, they're talking behind the scenes among themselves, and we will see a different version of the budget proposal at some point. Uh, so we expect that whatever the governor has put out here, and once we see the language, we'll know more, the House probably will make changes to that. So we always caution people not to get too invested in what this uh, proposal shows because it's pretty much accepted that it will change. But in any case, all of the dollar amount components uh, of the formula as according to the governor's proposal will remain unchanged for the both fiscal years in this biennium, which means people that or districts that do not have any growth in student population would have no basis for seeing a, any growth occur in the funding formula. Now, we do have a number of districts that are on the um, gain cap or affected by the gain cap. So if they still haven't received the amount that is um, calculated by the formula, even in this biennium, they could realize a 5% increase. There are a couple other factors that could actually cause districts to lose funding, uh, one, meaning, uh, one being the transportation uh, budget has been changed. There is a component within that formula that in, in this biennium allowed districts to get at least 50% of the transportation formula funded by the state. Those That percentage is being reduced according to the governor's proposal uh, to 37.5% in the first year and 25% in the second year. So those districts that have a state share index below 0.5 are going to actually see a reduction in uh, transportation funding. 
The governor has also proposed something, which is not really a surprise because this is something he's uh, talked about in the past. We have the transitional aid guarantee, which guarantees that districts don't receive less funding than they did in the previous year. Uh, the governor doesn't like this because they see districts that have lost a significant number of students over the years, yet we still hold them harmless to a year in the past. So he has put in a graduated uh, percentage loss of that transitional aid, or what we call the guarantee, uh, so that if a district has lost a significant number of students, they will experience a loss in that that funding if they are on the transitional aid guarantee. And that is any district that has lost 5% or more over the past uh, five years, they there would be a sliding scale. So let's say a district lost 6% of its students over the last five years, they would have a 1% loss in state funding. Great. Uh, sounds like some very interesting stuff, and I'm sure uh, yourself along with BASA and OSBA will, will be there to uh, hear all the goings-on and, and keep OASBO members in the loop. Um, you mentioned watching for opportunities for public testimony uh, once the budget language comes out, but we have another opportunity coming up right around the corner here next Tuesday for the legislative reception. Um, it's on February 7th, and it's from 4 to 6 in the uh, State House atrium, correct? And can you tell us a little bit about why it is so important for OASBO members to participate here? Chris, one of the things that we've tried to do over the past several years is raise awareness about the organization and the resource that we can be uh, to legislators as they contemplate the budget and other school funding or even just education issues. We have members who have a lot of, of uh, knowledge base and they have really the dollars um, in their uh, grasp in terms of being able to explain how funding works and then what provision, what the provisions of the budget are going to do to their various districts. The other thing that uh, we think is that our members are very good at being factual, which is something that legislators really like to hear. They don't necessarily want to hear the emotional plea, although sometime that, sometimes that could be effective too, but they do want to know the facts. And so our members are very good at that, and our members can help tell the story about what they're doing with their funds currently and what they would like to do in the future because, as we know, um, our members are becoming, have become very much a part of the leadership team in our districts across the state. So the purpose of the reception is really to help legislators, especially those new ones that are just coming in, and we have at least 20 new legislators who are in their freshman year just getting started this month, this past month, uh, in the legislature. They may not know who we are, and so this reception provides an opportunity for them to know who we are and what we do, but it also gives our members who choose to attend the opportunity to to meet legislators in a non-threatening, very informal, casual environment. Uh, it's a beautiful setting. The State House Atrium is very beautiful. We have refreshments that we don't charge either our members or we don't charge uh, the legislators and their aides. So it's a great time to come and 
hopefully our weather will cooperate this year and we'll have a good turnout, but we really want members to come and meet um, the folks at the State House who are making decisions every day that affect us. Great, thank you. Always good to put faces with names when it comes to constituents. Um, you had, switching gears for a minute, you had a meeting with the Ohio Department of Education on January 19th uh, to discuss the Treasurer License and uh, the OASBO Licensure Committee. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, um, I'll start with a discussion that took place with our licensure, licensure Committee and a few folks from our professional development as well as some people who have some experience with both our mentoring program and our treasure search program. Uh, at the OSBA Capital Conference, we met and had discussions about some of the things that we are seeing in the field with either uh, people not uh, being able to have the time to do the 300-hour internship to get their license, or um, we've got people coming in that use their previous work experience maybe in the private sector and they get their license but once they get into the school district they're finding that they're not having as much success as they expected just because w what we have now doesn't necessarily prepare folks adequately to be a school treasurer so we had uh, a good conversation with this with our licensure com licensure committee and a few others uh, that were in, in the meeting about this problem. Uh, one of the things that we're hearing from our search program is that we have a, a smaller and smaller pool of applicants that are available to districts when they find themselves in need of a school treasurer. So we had a conversation about what could be done about it. Uh, Jim Rowan, our new executive dir director, has um, put together some ideas about what we might do to change the requirements. And we've had good discussion with the Department of Education who seem willing to um, go down the path of looking at some changes. And we want to make it so that it's not too hard to get into the profession, but we also want to ensure that once someone gets in, they can be successful. So we actually have another meeting with our licensure committee next Wednesday morning. Uh, to go through some of the, the ideas that uh, Executive Director Rowan has uh, been talking about, and we're going to start that process of getting some feedback from members and going down that path. So hopefully we'll see something uh, sometime in the near future. Of course, if you already have your treasurer's license, this doesn't really affect you, uh, but I think that all of our members should be worried or at least have an interest in the high quality of folks coming into the profession. Absolutely, you know, it, it's like they always say, it takes one bad apple, right? And you don't need to be necessarily bad, just one uneducated apple <laughs> to, to ruin the reputation. Uh, thanks for that. So speaking of ODE, um, despite what is going on at the national level right now, um, you know, we did have uh, the Every Student Succeeds Act uh, go through, I believe, last year, and Ohio has put a draft of their ESSA plan on their website. I think that just came out yesterday. Um, have you had a chance to look at that, and what does that mean for, uh, for Ohio schools? Well, Chris, I'll be honest and tell you that I haven't looked at the, plan, the draft plan itself. Uh, I did review uh, the summary that th was put out a couple weeks ago, and we had a meeting, actually, 
uh, with the department where they briefed us on what was in the summary. Uh, the plan was just, re the draft plan was just released, as you said, yesterday, and they're uh, wanting comment from the public. So we encourage our members to get uh, in there and look, you should have received a, an, a message from the department about it. If you did not get a copy of the plan, a proposed plan, let us know. Uh, the thing that I think our members will be particularly interested in is how the uh, title funds, how if there is real, real flexibility as uh, expected and uh, what, what our reaction to that would be. The one thing I would say that we did hear some uh, pushback about at the time that they put the summary out, which was really an outline of what the plan was going to be, was the fact that one of the biggest things that when the department went around the state to get feedback from the public about what we should put in our plan, one of the biggest things they heard was that there's too much testing, which mm -hmm. is not a new uh, complaint, uh, but they heard it pretty r loud and clear, and I think people expected the plan to include some s recommendation to scale back on the amount of testing in Ohio. However, in our conversations with the department, we're finding that what they envision is the plan to just be a framework and things such as making changes in our testing or our teacher evaluation system and that kind of thing, that will all occur over time with conversations with the legislature, the state board, and others. So um, I don't think we expect this plan to just be overturning everything that we have in our current uh, education system, but it is going to be um, expected to be seen as a framework, and so we do need to weigh in on that framework, and we encourage all of our members to take a look and to go on the ODE website and provide feedback. Great, thank you. Uh, let's wrap up with kind of an overview of the Legislative and Education Finance Committee meeting. Uh, that happened last week, a couple weeks ago? Well, actually, it's next week. Oh, next week, sorry. So we, uh, we tried to take advantage of the, the legislative reception on the 7th, and we invited our Education Finance and Legislative Committees to come in and meet that afternoon prior to the reception so that they'll be in town and make one trip um, handle everything. Uh, but the group is actually meeting at the Office of the School Employees Retirement System, or SERS. And this uh, meeting, we usually meet with them, these committees meet with them on an annual basis, but typically that meeting doesn't take place until May uh, or sometimes June. And what, what happens at that meeting is um, the executive staff from SARS provides updates to our committees uh, on the, fina the financial uh, health of the system. They talk about their investment uh, success or, or maybe lack thereof. They talk about health care. They talk about um, employee relations, that kind of thing. So this will happen again on the 7th when the committees meet. And they um, have something new that they want to discuss with the group, and that is a legislative proposal because they are considering a temporary adjustment to the um, cost of living adjustment for those folks who have retired and those that are going to be retiring. Uh, there would be a three-year window where um, the COLA would not be the same as it is now. So 
rather than getting into details of that, we may want to do a future podcast on this, particularly after we've had that meeting with SERS. But in any case, I'm sure that uh, you can understand that our members are going to be listening very closely to the proposal that SERS is making. Uh, the thing that I would say is that they believe, uh, and this SERS board believes, that they need to do this because of um, their responsibility for making sure that the system is healthy. So that's where we are. Uh, we will report back to members after we hear more from them. Great. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, Barbara, uh, to inform myself and our members. Um, just to review, there's lots of opportunity for member input, feedback, uh, and involvement coming up. Uh, we hope to see lots of you on Tuesday, February 7th from 4 to 6 at the State House Atrium for the OASBO Legislative Reception. We encourage you to comment on the state's ESSA plan on the ODE website. And as Barbara mentioned earlier, uh, as the budget goes down the road, there'll be plenty of opportunity for public testimony, and we hope to see members there, too. Until next time, I hope you've enjoyed our first podcast, and we'll be talking to you soon.